if you've run a race before you understand this feeling you're rounding the last corner or going over the last hill and all of a sudden the finish line is in your sight for the very first time and you have this rush this energy this excitement that comes over you and you you use that and that wave of energy carries you through that line right People are maybe cheering. Maybe there's hundreds or thousands for these giant road races. Maybe there's only a couple people. Um, but during a race, you get that sense of accomplishment. And it feels really good. It feels really, really good. And you carry that feeling with you, right? I mean, of course, like the feeling of accomplishment fades after after a little bit of time, maybe even while you're sitting at the finish line you know, refueling or hanging out, eating something. Um, but you carry a little bit of that with you everywhere you go from here on out. Um, it's part of you now, right? Whatever race you have run, however many races you've run, each one is a part of you. Uh, and you keep going back because you want to get that feeling again, right? That sense of accomplishment that fades uh, over time. And I guess what I'm here today to kind of explore is how do you get that sense of accomplishment, that sense of fulfillment just from going out your front door and putting on your shoes, lacing them up and heading out for a training run, right? Because no one cares. No one cares about your training run, right? You'd barely probably even care. I know for me, like, when I head out for my training run, like there are times where I'm like, I don't even care about this. Like, why am I doing this? Right. Um, and ultimately I know that's the, that's the point, right? The, the race finish line is not the point, the journey, the seeking it out every day and being consistent with it. That is the point of doing this. And it helps you find health. It helps you find well-being mentally, physically, uh, emotionally for a lot of us. Um, and that's why we do it. And I think the person that I'm going to interview today kind of represents that idea better than most people I've met. Um, so I'm sitting down. I'm going to talk with Joyce Lee. Uh, Joyce is on this run streak that is absolutely incredible. She's ran every day since January 1st, 2013. Um, and just thinking about that and, and seeing the joy and enthusiasm she brings, brings to it, maybe not every day, but most days is what I think is actually important about this sport right? I don't think the finish line is necessarily super important. It's definitely something out there that drives us, something that inspires us for sure. But I think the overall sense of fulfillment is what we need to be seeking and we need to be like understanding can be a part of our lives every single day. Um, and Joyce, like sitting down, talking to Joyce, hearing about what she's done. She's literally competed in every type of event you could imagine. Um, and she does it with this enthusiasm, this lightness, this joy that I think we can all kind of uh, draw inspiration from. So all that being said, let's get into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 201 with Joyce Lee. All right, guys, today I'm here with Joyce Lee. And uh, Joyce, I'm so excited to talk with you because you have more running experience than most people on the planet Earth, I feel like. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. Um, well, thanks for having me, Chris. I, I don't know if I would say I have more running experience than most people on the planet. Um, I mean, no pressure or anything. <laughs> But yeah, so um, basically you've been running every, like you've set this running streak that is insane. And I'm curious to hear, you know, if, if this streak is still going, but you've been running every day since January 1st, 2013. Is that true? That is true. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm embarrassed to admit I was never really somebody who set New Year's resolutions. Um, it's, I, I think I was always afraid when I was younger of accountability. <laughs> so I didn't set goals, but one day I thought, you know what? This year I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to tell nobody about it. And let's just see how it goes. And I, I wanted to think of something that was really easy to do and really, really easy not to do. And I just figured, like, hey, I could definitely do or not do a mile every single day. That's totally feasible. So I just thought, why don't I try and build my consistency and just commit to running at least one mile every single day for the for 2013? Yeah. No, I love that idea. Like the things that are, I'm a huge proponent of doing the really little things, the small things correctly, or at least like giving value to the small things like that, where, like you said, like running mm -hmm. a mile, you know, that probably takes less than 10 minutes. Um, but by doing that every single day, that consistency adds up into all these like really positive gains or, vice versa by like not doing something every single day or doing something that's unhealthy for you that might be a small a small thing that can add up in the other direction so i think that's super cool that you related it to that idea <laughs> thanks yeah i i just knew that there would be something to gain um kind of like in a in a compound effect sort of way like look it's only a mile i use fun and so at the end of that first year, I realized I, I've put in so many more miles only because the minimum requirement was one. Yeah. Yeah. How many and days? That you, made all the difference. How many days do you think you're out there running like just one mile, like doing the minimum requirement? <sighs> um, I think before shelter in place, it would probably be like maybe once a week just so I can give my body a break. Yeah. And in the first year, I would also um, commit to doing treadmill miles once a week just because, you know, this was that was before I ever did trail running. I just thought like, well, I hear all these horror stories about pavement running, wearing down your joints. So I would go to the gym and run on the treadmill once or twice a week um, just uh, to take some of that burden off my joints. But yeah, I would say on average, probably once a week, I'd be doing that mile. But since shelter in place, well, I also had an accident uh, late last year. So I was doing really low intensity and it would be like one to four miles. Yeah. And that was pretty frequent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but it's just it's so fascinating because like in the midst of this run streak, you've done everything like everything seemingly possible in running you know <laughs> you've like crewed <laughs> people you've faced people you ran ultra marathons you ran regular marathons like you've done it all it seems like and iron man <laughs> and iron man's oh my god that's insane well just one i've done one full 140.6 and i've done um since the running streak i've done four halves wow where where did you do your full out uh, in Tempe, Arizona. So really, it was, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of my first big races have all rained. And um, we weren't expecting rain on race day. And just the night before, there was like a slight chance of rain and actually a storm blew through. So that was probably one of my more challenging race days. Um, I think in terms of physical conditioning, I was 100% prepared. Um and mental conditioning but in terms of hypothermia um i don't oh, i don't really know how many people train for hypothermia but as you imagine it's a race out in the desert that specific race is notorious for their high winds and the heat and so people tend to get really dry and they run into maybe nutrition issues um, from not hydrating uh in the right way and uh, but instead it rained and it was supposed to rain in the afternoon, I think, but it ended up raining like late morning. And so I got caught in the rain on the bike and I got really hypothermic and um, I also hallucinated. I thought I saw some coaches that were there who, who were not there, um, but it, it was definitely 
a test of mental fortitude. I discovered a lot of different things on that ride before going into the run, such as how to control your breathing. Apparently, um, when you become hypothermic, you're obviously going to be, um, what do you call it, um, hyperventilating. And to get your breath back, I just thought, oh, I'll apply some yoga, breathing, uh, that didn't work. <laughs> it totally failed. And so I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I was just so desperate and the rain is dumping and we're all wearing stay cool type of material where it's ultra moisture wicking for the desert, but the rain is pouring and you're, you know, you have the wind chill and I am just trying to take control of my breath. I it was just, my teeth were chattering and before I knew it, my mind started drifting to Hawaii, and I was like, oh, we just got to think, think warm thoughts. And I started humming Hawaiian, I started belting all kinds of um, Hawaiian songs, which became um, Disney songs. And before I knew it, I had control over my breath because I was just singing this medley of randomized songs. Um, and that's what got me through that and also just um, the month prior I had lost a really close family friend to lung cancer and I thought about her and, um, and that just helped me stay focused. Yeah. Yeah. How far into the ride did you know, like things were going South? Um, it was mile 70. Okay. So like halfway but, through almost yeah. or. Yeah. Well, it's, so the, the bike course is three loops. And so I was just coming up loop and the weather was fair it was like high 60s and I just thought like oh my gosh this is happening bike's my worst event and I'm thinking like okay I'm two-thirds done this is gonna happen I know what a marathon feels like assuming everything is you know I stay safe I and nothing bad happens like I should be fine (laughs) and just this giant raindrop just pelt me in the shoulder and then I just thought "Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) And I've never ridden my bike um, in the rain before, so that part of it um, was very scary for me. Um, and I just felt like, hey, we don't need to be a hero here. Let's just get to the finish line in one piece. And um, I just stayed focused on doing that. And um, about maybe 15 miles after that, um, I started becoming very hypothermic, and it became very hard to stay focused. I was getting sleepy and kind of dozing off on the bike and uh, I would jerk myself awake because I'd start to swerve. Wow. It was very scary. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. So when you got in and you changed into your like running gear and stuff, did you try mm-hmm. to warm up at all, or or were you just like, okay, I guess we're just gonna keep uh, this going? <laughs> here's to give you an idea of how cold I was. So when I got into T two, that's the transition area where you go from the bike to the run. Um, I was so cold, I couldn't move. I basically was walking like a stick person with no knees. And um, once I got into the warming tent, um, I'm vegan, but I actually drank chicken broth, which I, uh, it was gross, but I just needed something hot. And um, the volunteer, she was just so helpful. And I was so embarrassed to do anything for myself. My fingers were frozen. I I had no dexterity. And she basically... I was like a doll. She just stripped me of all my clothes and helped me put everything back on. She even rebraided my hair so I could look good for my finish line photo. <laughs> she just had all these ideas. <laughs> I'll never forget her. And I was so out of it. I was, my teeth were chattering. I thought I was going to chip my teeth. And um, I, I was just kind of beside myself. And I remember when I finally came to, after um, maybe one or two cups of broth, I noticed my hands were in her armpit. She was warming up my hands for me. And, um, you know, I look at her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I just, I can't, do, I don't know what's going on with me. Like I can't do anything, but I'm not going to drop out. And she's like, well, I'm not going to let you drop out. We're just going to do what we can to get you out there. And, um, and she helped me get dressed and, you know, fix my hair for me and put a visor on. And, and, um, once I, I, I could get myself to stand back up from the seat. I, I was like, okay, I'm just, just going to go out there. We'll, we'll just see how this goes. And I was just so rigid and I just kept thinking, all right, let's just keep moving. 
couple minutes, you'll be warmed up, you'll be fine. Uh, I never warmed up. If you look at my, <laughs> if you look at my finish line photo, my lips are blue, and um, I was into four marathon. It took me four forty five. It was just so cold. Wow. And I I just I couldn't I couldn't get my I couldn't get anything going. I was running pretty stiff legged, um, but I was stoked because I've done marathons before. I knew what it took. I knew roughly what it was going to feel like, and I was pretty obnoxious out there on the race course. I celebrated every single mile. I high-fived all the volunteers as I came through. And everybody thought I had way too much Red Bull, but I didn't have any Red Bull. <laughs> so I was just <laughs> – I just needed to get past that bike. Once I was on my feet, I'm like, hey, if things go south, I can always sit on the floor and take a break. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't stop. I kept it moving the whole time. And um, and it was it – was, probably one of my most memorable races just because of the rain i wouldn't change that for the world yeah that that made it really really memorable those are the ones that stand out forever because they were super hard (laughs) they were super difficult um and yeah i mean i love that strategy of just like i'm gonna celebrate everything i can because there's moments where you're so low and you're so beaten down by whatever you're doing um, that that's like the only thing that can like bring you out of almost like a funk, you know? Oh, absolutely. And on top of it, um, something that I learned or noticed is that, um, if you put out some energy, you'll get some back and I do it all the time in races when I feel tired, I get, I, I appear extra peppy, but I'm truly just dying inside, probably (laughs) hanging by a thread. Yeah. Going by, I'm like, hey, go runner, you know, I high-five people, and people perk up, and because they perk up, the energy is good. It makes me feel good, and it's just a really good cycle of energy um, out on the race course, so um, that was another reason why I kept celebrating, because I knew people dread the run, and yeah. um, if you... If you live in the course, everyone else as a group does better. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's that's so true. It was funny, I at, during one of my races... I came into an aid station and my buddy Brady was there and my wife was there and my kids were there. And, um, I, I did the thing. I'm like acting super excited and, and energetic and stuff. <laughs> and later he was just like, dude, I could see it in your eyes though. I could see how terrible, cause I felt terrible. And he's like, I could just tell, he's like, I could tell, I could see it in your eyes. And I'm like, yeah, you can't lie. You can't lie with your eyes. <laughs> This is true, and it takes a good friend to be able to spot that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they know you. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, through this, well, let's actually, can we go back for a second? I want to hear about, yeah, like, what what were you, and your brother Jay has been on the show uh, a couple times, and he's amazing, and uh, he's just an yeah, awesome dude. <laughs> um, so what were you and Jay like as kids? Uh, like, were you competing all the time? Were you, like, when did running really come into both of your guys' lives in, in this way. Actually, I was thinking about that recently, and I'm glad you asked because I have a pretty cute story. Well, I can frame it, so it sounds cute. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we both have always loved exercise. We've just known that it was important. Our parents were not athletes at all. Um, I think my dad might have played tennis. My mom said she did track when she was in high school, but I don't know to what extent, um, like how competitive they were. Um, but Jay and I, we used to get off the school bus one stop early at the very bottom of the hill. And we would trek up the hill to our house to get extra exercise. <laughs> was it, what, How did that and, start? Was it like, I don't know. We just thought it was a good idea. (laughs) And and I thought about that further. And I think because my baseline for endurance was um, when my grandmother first moved to America, she was used to walking everywhere in Taiwan. And she would drag me to the store with her. And we would walk probably two miles. And I was a small kid. So there was just something about it, about long walks and things. My parents didn't really do that. But I craved it and and I just took Jay along and he went along with it. We both just enjoyed being active and I think deep down inside our parents would were hoping we would just be bookworms 
Um, but we enjoyed sneaking out and riding our bikes and, um, you know, getting off the bus stop way too early so we could take a really long home. And uh, Jay was my first crew. Um, when I did gymnastics in high school, I was trying to just get my legs stronger and um, I knew running would do that. So I would put in extra training time after practice and run, quote unquote run. I was not a runner. Um, and Jay would accompany me on his bike and we would go around the neighborhood. Would Jay so this was back in high school, would, would he like ride his bike two miles further down the road, stop, get off his bike, bring some water back for you. I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't think we were that considerate then. I think he was uh, a freshman in high school, but Jay actually in, I forget what year, but this was in high school at wrestling camp. They ran like 15 miles out in the cornfields or something like that. Um, and he came home with like this triple extra large, disgusting orange tie dye shirt with like wrestlers on it. And he's like, man, I ran 15 miles for this shirt. And I was like, this shirt's hideous. It's like, I know, but I earned it, so I guess we'll keep it. I think it's in a box somewhere still. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, 15 miles, that's inhuman. We both did swimming in the summer, and we did um, competitive swimming. And uh, I swam for the swim team in, in high school, and he did wrestling. Um, but I think just being oh, – we only did sports, I think, to put it on our college application. <laughs> Yeah, But in, in that, you know, we were really lucky to have coaches that taught us about the importance of mental fortitude and being a good sport and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Were you guys um, competitive with each other or was it always like a situation where you were trying to like help each other out? It was more about surviving together. I think we didn't compete against each other. Um, when we were younger, just because he's, he's my younger brother. Now we look kind of like we're twins or something. But um, when we were younger, it was just, you know, me being a big sister and making sure he was okay. Him trying not to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could not beat him up now. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you have you guys raced? What about now? Like now that you guys are both runners, and he's an he's an incredible runner. He's really really, really oh he's fast. he's just a he's such a talented athlete. Yeah, yeah. It's just like he just seems like a natural runner. But do you guys compete now? Like when you're on when you're both signed up for a race, is there a little bit of competition there or or not? Oh uh, no! I mean, he's untouchable. He's he's not he's just out of reach there's no way i could catch him i mean he's a uh i think 246 in the marathon wow and the the fastest marathon i've ever run um and i was already injured at the time was 327 and i haven't touched that since yeah so do you you ever think about um, sabotaging him before the race you know no way (laughs) (laughs) no way i love him too much i would never do that (laughs) Um, no, I, I, we we take care of each other. Yeah. Um, I think I think we're really lucky. We we've always, I mean, except for when we're really really small, but we've more or less gotten along. Yeah, um, yeah gone to trouble together. And That's like good. That. That's good to know. My my two kids. I have a six year old and three year old, and they mm-hmm. like it's crazy. They're like best friends for 10 minutes and mm-hmm. then they're bitter sweet enemies for the next two minutes and then they're best friends again and you're like wait i can't follow the storyline here for you guys um yeah but my just real quick my uh my oldest daughter got upset um and i can't remember why but she was riding her bike she got upset and she threw her bike down and then took her helmet off and like threw it down dramatically right and I'm like, I'm a ways away, so I can't really stop this from happening, but I'm just kind of observing it. And my three-year-old yeah. daughter just looks at her, and she's on her, like, little Strider bike, and she throws that down and then takes her helmet <laughs> off and throws it down in solidarity. And I was like, they do love each other. <laughs> this is amazing. But yeah, yeah. That must have been so funny to witness. Yeah, well, I'm always interested in like sibling dynamics. Now, I was an only child growing up, so I didn't have that. But, um, but yeah. So, when did you guys kind of um, 
get into running as either a hobby or a form of training or like how did that how did that evolve for you um over the last you know like as soon as you started getting into it well um I mentioned before I was a competitive swimmer and I was honestly like the okayest varsity swimmer. I was not somebody they would be like, Oh, put Joyce in. It's always like, Oh, no one wants to swim this event. Joyce, you do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and while in college, um, I, I just started my own business teaching swimming to kids in the neighborhood. And I did that over a couple of years. And then obviously the business grew over the years and, and it got to the point where I was in the pool like six and a half hours a day. And it's not a job you can snack and do. So I got pretty shredded that summer and I wanted to maintain it. So I turned to running and um, I never liked running, <laughs> but I told myself I was going to do it. And I didn't want to, um, cause I would put on weight during the school year because I just, sit and study and the only exercise I got was maybe you know going to like break dancing practice or hula class or something but I didn't really get that much cardio and I wanted to uh, keep my fitness and look felt and because it, it, it just feels good when your body's in tip-top shape and so yeah. I turned to running as as a way of doing that and I just kept it up um, I was also embarrassed because I didn't know where I was as a runner, if I was fast or slow, how far I was going. I didn't track anything, but I just made it a point to run six days a week. Now, now that I know the routes and stuff and I have a Garmin, um, looking back, the route initially started out two miles and I worked my way to six and, uh, I just kept that up. I would do different routes depending on how I felt. And, um, fast forward to 2010, I had a friend who was selling vitamins, kind of like an Avon lady, but uh, for a company called USANA Health Sciences. And he really strong-armed me into buying one of the, the vitamin packets. And so I did it to support his business, and I didn't expect that it would help me very much or anything. I just did it. And you're supposed to take the AM and PM packet, and I'm thinking, okay, by math, I am you know 90-something pounds, and the average person is like almost double my weight. So I'm going to be frugal and just take one pack. And in the course of the two months, I ramped my mileage up without um, really aiming to. And I, I found my way to doing about 16 miles, um, just shuffling. I don't, I didn't know my pace or anything, but I, I'd be outside for, you know, a good two to three hours. And, and around then I had this goal of someday doing a half marathon. And I wanted to do the Nike women. And why the half? was because you could do half the work for the same amount of swag. You get the Tiffany's necklace, you get to see the fireman at the finish line, right? And I'm like, why would I do 26.2 miles if I could just do 13.1, get the same stuff? (laughs) That was goal. (laughs) I wanted to be, I wanted to half-ass it. And by the time the lottery had opened up, I was already doing 16 to 18 miles. I hadn't touched, you know, the 20-mile mark, but I was thinking, well, gosh, I should just shoot, I should just shoot high, you know, I'll have covered the 13 miles anyway. So, um, put my name in the lottery and, and said I would, I would commit to the marathon if selected. And so the fall of 2010, I did my first marathon and it was a pretty wild experience. Um, and I did horribly. I didn't train very smart. Um, I thought it'd be, you know, my bucket list marathon, but because I ran a, uh, a, a not very great time. I wanted to go back because I didn't want that to be my marathon story. I wanted to do better. Yeah. And then you just were like, and now I'm going to do every running thing ever. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it just it just escalated very quickly <laughs> and spiraled completely out of control. So this was October, and I thought, like, well, where, where is there another – Bay Area Marathon, the Oakland Marathon was in March, so I just signed up for that right away, and I had um, two other friends who said they would they would run the marathon, um, but come race day, those two friends, or not race day, come sign up, they um, they did the half, and I was the only dodo who signed up for the full, so I ran it alone, um, but we all finished together and went out to eat together afterwards, but during that race, I just remember, like, 
I just need to do better than last time. And while I was running this, um, I got passed by a 70-something-year-old man. And on the back of his shirt, it said, this is my 209th full marathon. And I'm thinking, okay, life goals right there. I want to be 70-something and and hauling past young bucks in in a hilly road marathon. And I made it a point to talk to him after the race. Um, apparently, he's a you know obviously a somebody in the running community. His name is Philo or Philo, and um, and he had all of these sound bites. He's like, I'm just running from old age. You just got to take it a mile at a time. And he was he was cool. I I see him around. He he's done Boston the Big Sur like 20 times, and I mean he's he's something else. But he really inspired me to to keep at it. Yeah. Um, just seeing him and 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 um, not giving into the number of his age and just continue to to be the best athlete with the body that he has. I think it just kind of set my running soul on fire, and I just kept going from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, how much of it too is just the the thought of like I'm already trained, like I've already done the hard work, you know. You know, the surprising thing about the running community, I mean, I when I did my first marathon, I trained for it alone and really consult anyone for a training plan. I only knew like two humans who ran the marathon and didn't die. Um, and it just didn't seem like a very human thing to do, but I trained for it alone and um, and knew it was possible. And, but along the way, because I was out and about and doing all these things you just start to meet people and when you're out there shuffling along people share their story with you um at the nike women's marathon there were a number of people who were part of team and training so they were either running because they were cancer or leukemia survivors themselves or they were running for someone or in memory of somebody um so just hearing their stories and and their triumphs over such such like tremendous heartache and challenge it it just really inspired me to um see the bigger picture in things right and to and to understand the value of community and and it was very strange like something just changed in me where I started to see the world completely differently that like hey you know everybody here is actually a friend a brother and a sister we just don't know their name and we don't know their story and it just helped me feel uh, very human (laughs) and not alone. Yeah, no, I love that so much. I actually wrote down as one of the talking points I wanted to ask you about is just your thoughts on just the running community in general, because, you know, at least from, you know, the pictures that I see you post, it seems like you are fully embedded, uh, in the (laughs) just wonderful, like awesome running community. And also, like, knowing oh. <laughs> knowing Jay, and Jay kind of seems uh, the, the same way, like, pretty similar. Like, it just seems like you guys really are, are in this running community, and it, it seems so positive and, and awesome. Um, yeah, the running community um, really has changed my perspective on the world and humanity. Um, I've, in my first year of my running streak, I was, the regional sales manager uh, for Asia Pacific and I basically was commuting overseas like every month and to calculate um, the logistics and, and the timing of everything I base the I base all of my running on Pacific time otherwise I would lose a day and a streak would be over oh yeah yeah um, yeah and so I I would have to look up like where to run um, where to have drivers take me, if there's local running clubs. And I've just made so many friends around the world and got to become acquainted with the running community in other countries. And it's, it's kind of the same, you know, just very welcoming, very endorphinated people who are there to commune, to, to share, to sweat, and have a good time. A lot of them enjoy beer, <laughs> and, um, and 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 it gives people a reason to come together for something that's very healthy. Yeah. And um, so that was one piece of the running community that I really appreciate. And the other thing was, 
um, when I, in the first year of my running streak, because I was running so much, um, I don't say so much, I, so frequently, um, I became acquainted with so many different people, um, many of which helped me with my running goals or my Ironman goals, um, that I, I, I couldn't understand why, like, like, this is a stranger. Why are they helping me? You know, and, and I was too insecure in the beginning of, of uh, marathoning and running. I'm like, well, what, what value do I have to give to people? And because of the community reaching out and different people um, giving back to me and to other people, uh, it helped me understand, like, you know, it's not about how great you are, how fast you are, how fit you are. It's about how you can be there, how you can show up for somebody and it helped me get over my ego pretty fast. And yeah. and once I started to become comfortable to show up for somebody else who's going through a hard time, they just need, you know, a social run um, or somebody who has a goal or somebody who needs an accountability person, you know, just for me to be able to show up for them in that way just was more rewarding than I could imagine. Yeah. Oh, I want to point out that you went from wondering why people were being so nice and helping you to having your hands in someone else's armpits and not thinking that's weird. So shows that growth. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And, uh, being able to check my runner's, uh, urine color during bad water. Like you get familiar <laughs> with people real fast. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, and yeah. having no filter, like what, what did that last potty look like? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was it Mountain Dew? Was it brown? Because that's yeah. not good. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I do like so. You know, once you started giving back and you started crewing people and helping people and volunteering, mm -hmm. so uh, I want to hear a little bit about those experiences. Um, you just mentioned Badwater, so I guess that's one to start at um, because I feel like that's kind of a race where the crew is such a major component. Uh, for people being successful in finishing. Yeah, I, oh gosh. I didn't even want a crew for Badwater. The I don't first think anyone I did. does. I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I've only heard legends, right? Like <laughs> this infamous race, like Dean Hungass is DNF'd at it. You know, where he saw dinosaurs running in the horizon. He met a miner who was asking for water with his gold pan. I mean, I just, I'm like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I, I'd be a liability. You're going to have me come and crew you, and someone's going to have to save me. Like, I just, it's just not, I don't think it's smart. And so my former neighbor, I, I call her Neighborito, uh, her and her um, boyfriend, Catra Corbett and Phil Nimmo, um, they used to live runnable distance from me and Katra's like I want you to crew me for Badwater and I look at her I'm like no um that's when you just don't, don't answer texts you're just like I'm not answering yeah I'm like you know I know you are you, you know what you're doing I for some reason don't trust your judgment on this <laughs> and and she's just like no no you're strong enough I know you can do it I believe in you and this this lady, I swear to you, she just puts me in all kinds of really uncomfortable situations. And I, right now in the pandemic, as I'm looking through all the Facebook memories, I'm like, geez, half of these adventures would not have been possible if it wasn't for her pushing me out of my comfort zone. And I, I owe so much of that to her. Yeah. And she does this not just for me, but for so many people. And so she comes to me and she's like, nope. I want you on my crew for Badwater. You're going to be awesome. And I'm just like, I'm going to have to agree to disagree with you on that, you know? And she just was like, nope, I believe in you. You can do it. She gives me this Badwater handbook written by um, Ben and Denise Jones. And she's like, everything you need to know is in here. So I'm like, all right, let me just read the book. I'll go sauna sit and I'll read the book and, and then I'll see. And she's just like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. And she just did not let up on it. And finally I'm like, all right, let's just do the thing I think I can't do. We'll just we'll just see if she she's got enough expertise in her and experience that um, she's not going to ruin her race by picking somebody who's going to be a complete dud. So I'm like, okay, well I hope she knows what she's doing. I'll I'll show up. And um, it was oh man, 
obviously it was hot. I saw um, was this we, was this the year I'm pretty sure I talked to Jay right after he crew or he was like volunteering at Badwater. Is this the same year or was this the year after? Um I crewed so I crewed Catra 2017 and 2019 and then Patsy Ramirez 2018 and 2018 was Jay's first year that and that was, was the hottest yeah. recorded year in the history <laughs> of Death Valley yeah that looks rough I uh, actually I think it's funny that the like the person who's going out to do the ultra marathon is giving you the pep talk and she's like you know what you got this you can do it you can do it you got this no problem <laughs> I didn't believe her. <laughs> and she's, she's like, oh, I got her wardrobe planned. You're going to be okay. And she always, she has everything. She has, you know, all the nutrition and everything. And she's, um, she's a vegan also. So I don't need to worry about being stuck with, you know, a cooler full of hot dogs I don't want to eat. Um, and I've already done a lot of training and a lot of uh, trail time with her. We're very familiar with each other. So, um, I just went in with blind faith. All right. You know, somebody like Catra who's done marathon to sob and all these other races and she's crewed bad water a number of times herself. If she believes I can make it, then I'm just going to have to trust her. And, um, Oh, I can't even begin to describe how hot death valley is i mean you, you can read about it you can watch movies about it but when you're there it's almost like you're opening an oven and you just get punched in the face with heat and there's no escaping it it just like envelops you in its death grip and you're just stuck in it until you get to the whitney portals so for 40 something hours it's it's so hot and you have to be very diligent with your own nutrition so that you can adequately support your runner. And water goes so fast, man. We went through um, every mile and a half, I think, I went through like 20 ounces of liquid. Wow. And it's yeah. crazy probably – I mean, I haven't, I haven't been to bad water, but I've been in like deserts before. And like it's crazy because you don't – you don't see the sweat. It just evaporates instantly. So you, I, yep. I, I totally understand how people can become really, really dehydrated very quickly and not even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned in Ironman training to not trust my brain and not trust my judgment. So you have to have, this is my method, but um, I don't know, other people have other ways. But my way of just being as safe as possible is to lay out a game plan yeah. and make it foolproof. So that like I can just set it and, and run the program and not use my brain because it might not work at some point. And That's so how I idea. did that was I just put timers on my Garmin. I had alarms set on my phone um, just for, you know, supplementation for Catra and for myself, um, you know, sip of water. No matter how you feel, just having a sip or sl- 15 to 20 minutes and then food every 40 minutes I think was what I had set for her just like a bite of something um just so that she, you know because once you get behind on your nu- your nutrition your calories um th- it's really hard to bounce back yeah and um so that's kind of how we managed through the whole thing and um for everybody who was in the crew there was Gabby um Popast and um her boyfriend Phil Nemo who knew the course and he, he'd been a finisher himself and um, Dave Wachowski. And so we all work really well together and um, we didn't need to take much direction. I mean, the teamwork was pretty seamless and um, Gabby really kept the spirits up. She brought her mini cowbell and when things got kind of quiet, um, she would ring the cowbell and kind of liven things up. Uh, Dave really had a great sense of humor. And, uh, and if we started to look, tired or like zone out he maybe take out his camera and get us to do a little photo shoot so we can kind of get re-engaged with the situation uh, overall it was um yeah a really great team catcher put together a really strong team i mean she knows what she's doing yeah. but after after we finished i was thinking but i just i couldn't believe i made it through yeah that's you know just that speaks to the event. Like that. that speaks to that event that even the crew members are like, "Oh my God, we made it, <laughs> we did it." 
it's a team effort and yeah. there's I I would I would find it hard to believe anyone would say like I did this myself. But when we get to that finish line, I mean the race director recognizes the team. The the runner themselves, um, they're like, You guys are my lifeline, you know, they they would never take the glory all for themselves. I mean I've crewed two different people and 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 Patsy, who's all the way out in Puerto Rico to this day, she we're still in a group chat together, and it's been two years. Um, we're always keeping tabs on each other and our races and things like that. It's just you, you really um, you make friends for life if you can make it through that race together. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so well. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you. So first of all, do you know the actual like how many days into your run streak are you? Um, right now, I am 2,670. After I rent it, it'll be 76. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so after <laughs> 2,676 days of a run streak, like, h- how do you maintain your passion for for running? Like, I, I don't you, know. I'm assuming, can't. yeah, I'm assuming there's <laughs> days where you're just like, all right, I'll go do it. But um, I think... I think it's just staying focused and, and understanding and expecting that there will be days you don't feel like it. There will be days where the poo-poo hits the fan and you're just not going to want to do anything. And, um, and, and recognizing that and, and just kind of like setting it aside. And uh, there's something I always tell myself, um, on those days, it's like, don't let temporary emotions cause permanent damage. Um, and I think the running streak has helped me, um, to stay focused and really grow my mental fortitude. Um, and something that I keep this, it's one of my, one of my, like, what do you call it? Trump cards. Um, at the end of my first year, the intention was really just to do 365 days. I mean, that in and of itself was a pretty cool accomplishment because it's, you know, there are nights we don't brush our teeth when we go to bed, but like I ran every single day for a full year and I traveled over a hundred thousand miles that year by plane (laughs) and, um, crossed multiple time zones and visited, I think that year was like over 20 countries. Wow. Right. And, and you still got um, it done. Yeah. But that's not even the cool thing. Like, what blows my mind when I look back on that first year was like, okay, yeah, I got through all of that. I got through yeah, all kinds of challenges. But what blew me away was um, towards the end of the year, I was thinking, like, gosh, it's got to be a cool way to close out the year. And, of course, I'm running and I'm thinking about this. And that's where some of the fun ideas come, right? And I'm thinking, like, well, maybe I'll go to our Central Park in Fremont, Lake Elizabeth. Like, I'll just gather, like, you know, Jay and and some of my good friends. And as this idea is kind of turning, I'm like, or I could have, like, a race-themed running party. I'm like, oh, and I'm going to have, oh, I'm going to have shirts that fit me. The shirts are always too big. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do shirts. Oh, I'm going to do medals. I'm going to do big medals. And... Uh, and I'll have bibs. And I was just like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So this was like, I don't know, December 9th or 10th. And I'm like, okay, I'm about to make this like race themed running party happen. So I do a little bit of research. And as I'm going, I'm like, I don't have time to like piece this whole entire production together and figure out, you know, costs and stuff. Um, and I didn't have a budget, but I'm like, I'll just keep this as economical as I possibly can, which is a habit I have normally anyway. And so I put it together. I start telling people and they're like, Oh, I want to come. I'm like, would you be able to help out with cost? I'm like, yeah, just like, you know, just tell us what it is. And I was like, well, what if I just charge you like, like a 5k and then maybe I'll, I'll give you change if there's money left over and everybody was all for it. And then after, after I start planning and picking all these different, um, you know, the metal and the shirt design and stuff like that. Um, I realized I wasn't, I wasn't celebrating with everybody I wanted to. I still had my running friends in like Singapore and Australia and Japan and wherever. And I'm like, maybe I can do a virtual run too. And so I tell them about it and they're all for it. So I'm like mailing things all over the place. And I charged um, that first year, I just charged like $45 and ended up having 
I think $8 and $9 changed, and it felt like a little bit too much when you multiply that by 80 to yeah. keep to myself. And so um, I, I told everybody there was money left over, and um, they're like, well, just keep it because you had to put on this party. Like, that was work. You should just pay yourself. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't really want to keep it. Um, and then I got the idea, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm an independent distributor for USANA Health Sciences, and one of the charities that they – they um, support is the Children's Hunger Fund. And 99% of the money you donate to that charity goes to the cause. And they buy these things called food packs. And it was like a dollar gets you like four pounds of food. And it was something just so, it, it was just such a great way to like spend that money. I started telling everyone like, hey, is it cool if I just donate the change then to Children's Hunger Fund? And people were all for it. And then like more, more friends were throwing in extra money just to donate to this charity. And I was just so blown away by it because it's like, you know, here I am, a running nobody. I just wanted to run every single day of the year. And everyone was so gung-ho to support me and celebrate this. It was just like the cup overflowed. And now we were able to take that, like, all that love and, like, good vibes and, and, and monetary goodness and be able to use it for a, a cause that was like, bigger than just our running passion, Right. And to go back to how do I keep, you know, how do I stay motivated on like off days, I think about that, you know, like this, yeah. this serendipitous miracle that happened from just like this little goal of like, look at this tiny thing that I, I worked on every single day and look at the impact it had. That's so cool. And now that, it's become like an annual <laughs> running party, right? Yeah. And, um, and it's awesome. Like the, the Rangers, at the park kind of know to expect me. So um, I just let them know, like, hey, we're just going to have a pretty big gathering, um, you know, 70, 70 people or so, and everybody else just goes remote because I, I don't want it to be an actual race with, like, chip yeah. timing. There's quite a few athletes who just want to come and socialize yeah. and not have it show up on their athletes, right? <laughs> and um, and for those who do want to be competitive, as long as they, they toe the start, they can compete for um, – they can compete for a podium, and I do. Um, the last couple of years, I've done handmade trophies um, that fit along with my theme for the year. That's and awesome. They get to I take saw that. I saw trophy. that online, and I, yeah, I wanted to hear about that a little bit. Oh, uh, which which trophy did you see? Um, let me see. I was looking at Facebook right before this. Uh, like I want to say there were cats on it. Yeah, the Hello Kitty oh, trophies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Hello Kitty trophies, um, I think I've done, well, I mean, the race is Hello Kitty themed. It's all fan art. Um, and the theme in more recent years have been based off of my running adventures. So this past year, 2019, was kind of a rough year because I was a little bit injured and I didn't get to do all the things the way I wanted to. And so the symbol there was, um, you know, sometimes it's just about, accepting like where you are and the the mountain there that's mount whitney um i i went up mount whitney on a whim i knew i wasn't going to make it but i went into it knowing like hey i'm just going to go to the highest point i've ever been to so it was about thirteen thousand feet prior to that was mount um mount fuji and um and i was so proud of it versus like beating myself up like oh why did you just go another thousand five hundred and five miles uh, not miles uh feet um just to say you summoned in Mount Whitney it's like you know sometimes it's 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 about just being your best not necessarily getting to somebody else's finish line and um that was kind of my theme for 2019 not just with Mount Whitney but with a a lot of different running goals yeah and so the 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 trophy also um, was a it was an aquarium rock to, made to look like a mountain, and I put like little trees and stuff and a Hello Kitty. It looks cool. Um, <laughs> thanks. That's yeah, that's so yeah. cool. Like that's actually you know it is interesting. Um, it it's kind of just an interesting thing, like thinking about your theme for the year. Uh, maybe not even in running necessarily, <clears throat> but running is just such a great way to, to really like break that down, you know, like yeah. what lessons well, it's a did metaphor I learn? For during... life. Yeah, exactly. I loved, there was a video, yeah. um, I think it was <clears throat> one of Billy Yang's films and he just called it life in a day. And I was like, oh, what a perfect like analogy there, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. And it shows all Absolutely. the ups and downs along the way. Well, I do want to wrap it up by asking you um, just out of every format, like road, trail, Ironman, like everything you've participated in and even like relays and stuff like that. Um, what's your what's your favorite one? Like if you had to go out and just choose one to compete in, <clears throat> uh, which one would you choose? Well, to answer your question in order, which one's my favorite? Uh, whichever one I'm running is my favorite. Because <laughs> nice. if it's not, it messes with your head. There you go. Um, and they all have their advantages. I mean, the road, you you don't have to worry about as many factors. You can just focus on pace and just get it done. Um, you can work on pacing strategies depending on the course. And trail, I mean, no matter what happens out there, you're in nature. And, and um, the ground feels very different beneath your feet and just feels awesome. The fresh air and everything about it, uh, it's a little more quiet, but, you know, it, that has its perks too. And Relay is more team-oriented. Ironman has variety. There's just always something, you know, the next leg to look forward to. If I were to pick something to compete in, I think because you put it in the word compete, I would choose um, some kind of road race because – uh, it would be for speed. Gotcha. But overall, whenever I get asked that question, I just say I, I really just enjoy whatever race I'm in um, because then you don't get stuck in the, well, it could be faster if I was running road or, oh, <laughs> it would be prettier if I was out in nature. Well, it would be less lonely if this was a relay. Oh, sure, it would be nice if I could just take a break um, riding a bike or, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally yeah. – that, that makes perfect sense. And that's obviously like – with that mindset, that's why you're able to run for 2,676 days, you know? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that is... Uh... Yeah. I mean, I, I also want to ask you, um, just you mentioned at the very beginning uh, that you sang Disney songs in the middle of being hypothermic. Uh, so I have mm -hmm. to ask, as as a dad of three three girls right now, three young kids. What's the Disney song that just gets you the most pumped up? Oh, man. Which one'd you go with in the middle of the Arizona desert? <laughs> oh, I was... <laughs> oh, it was, it was Let It Go. <laughs> nice! <laughs> from frozen yeah that was that was a good song that's funny every yeah. time that song comes on i always look at my kids like straight face and i'm just like i what song is this and they just are like it's <laughs> let it go i'm like yeah i know i've listened to it five thousand times at this point yeah it's it's such a good song <laughs> <laughs> i gotta go and with it, it got me through a really tough time so that's true and you know what once that happens and you use that to get you through a tough time you'll never be able to like forget about it you know you're always like oh yeah i remember this song when i was really struggling and it helped me push through absolutely yeah that's awesome well yeah. joyce thanks for coming on the show this week uh obviously i could keep talking to you for hours and hours so i'd love <laughs> to have you back on at some point in the future for sure i'd like that thanks so much for having me this was really fun yeah soon i mean uh, you know eventually in the future your run streak is going to be at like ten thousand. you know yeah i hope so <laughs> <laughs> i mean i I will run inside the house if I have to. I've run inside of a hotel before. Wow, that's impressive. Did you just like yeah, back and forth birthday. down the hallway? Really? Mm-hmm. It was in my first year. I, I wasn't sure if I would. I'm not great at waking up early, and I had, you know, I was on a business trip. So it was past midnight, and it was also my birthday, and I just thought, like, I'm just going to run the hall. And it was an atrium. It was shaped like a figure eight. Um, where was I? Dallas. So I just ran that, and I kept hoping someone would catch me so I could say, it's my birthday, do what I want, but no one caught me. So. <laughs> you should have just started knocking on doors while you're going down. I know. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. I'm in the halls. <laughs> they were like, uh, great, awesome, happy birthday. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, where can people kind of follow along, you know, uh, your your adventures and your journey? 
Um, I haven't been as active as I'd like on Instagram, so probably Facebook and my Strava. Awesome. So on Facebook, if you just do Facebook.com, then it's the slash Joyce Lee 38. Um, Instagram is at fly.joyce. And Strava would be Joyce Lee with a, a V with a circle. Okay. Awesome. I will make sure to link all those in the show notes, but definitely, like I said, you're, you're really inspirational and, Aww, and thanks. just like, uh, you can tell, you can just tell the joy that you have for running every <laughs> single day. So. That is fact. I love running. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joyce. Well, thanks for chatting and we'll have to get back at you at some point. All right, cool. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. It was a great time and I look forward to the next. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show. Joyce, thank you for sitting down and chatting with us. Um, I would be so honored to to be able to uh, run a race with you at some point in the future. Like you just seem like an incredible person. Your brother Jay is is awesome. I love that guy. Um, so thank you for coming on the show, sharing your story, uh, teaching us about hypothermia. That sounded really rough. <laughs> it's definitely something that that stuck out to me. Um, I've been probably near hypothermic once and it was during a tough mutter in Indiana. Um, and it was probably like, I don't know, maybe like 38 degrees, but it was 40 mile an hour winds. And of course me and my friends were idiots and we're wearing cut off t-shirts with Nintendo characters on them. I, I don't know why. Uh, I had Sonic cause I thought I was fast until hypothermia punched me in the face. Um, and we were soaking wet and you just can't stop shaking. It's the craziest feeling, right? You just can't stop. And I just remember there was this obstacle where you had to like monkey bar your way over this water. Right. And I had just gotten dry. Like I was just dry. I was like, Oh my God, I do not want to fall into water again. Like I will do everything in my power to make it over these stupid monkey bars so I don't fall in that stupid water. And so I watch my buddies go in like one by one. They slip. They make the bars slip slippery somehow. Maybe it was the water. I don't know. But in my in my imagination, they're like greasing these monkey bars beforehand just to be jerks. Uh, and my buddies are all slipping, falling in the water. And I'm like, that's not going to be me, man. I'm going to make it. And... So I go and I monkey bar and I'm like halfway through and I start to slip, but then I catch myself and then I end up making it the whole way and I land on dry land and I'm so pumped. It's probably like the most pumped I had been since like high school football or rugby or something like that. Like those like adrenaline sports. Right. And I'm like psyched. I'm like, yeah, woo, like yelling and stuff. Uh, and then. And then we, we like go up this tiny little hill and look down and the course runs you right back through like a freaking river of water that's like up to your shoulders. And my buddies, like my buddy Travis, like you had this look in your eyes of someone who was so mad <laughs> that you had to run through this water after successfully making it. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that pure fury at that point uh but and then we got to the end of that race and you're just caked in mud um if you've done like an obstacle course race or whatever and they have hoses at the end to wash yourselves off and i'm like there is no way i'm poor like getting a hose of freezing cold water like i could barely like hold anything it was miserable and so anyways when joyce brought that up about just being hypothermic like there is that is a rough state to be in and to have that feeling partway through the bike ride of an Ironman and then being like, I need to somehow recover enough to run a marathon is just completely mind blowing. It's what I love about endurance sports. It obviously taught her the grit and just complete utter stubbornness that she has in her and it's is just it's incredible like that's the thing it teaches you and you can carry on in your life so anyways uh joyce thank you for for sharing all your stories and your passion for running with all of us i hope all of us can kind of like bring that home with us um 
especially like I mentioned in the beginning and I know it's like probably a bit more introspective than I usually am. Uh, usually like I'm surface level, like awesome dude and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but I think it's something we need to keep in mind. Like we need to try our best to be present for the journey and enjoy the journey because the journey is, is what it is. The destination you'll get there. And if that was what you put all your eggs in that basket, all your eggs in, Oh, I got to finish this race or, Oh, I got to somehow reach this goal. If all your eggs are in that basket, I promise you, you're not going to be 100% fulfilled. Um, but if on your way towards that destination, if you are learning the lessons and really taking in the journey, uh, and being open to it, open to its teachings and everything that you're going to experience along the way, like that's going to be way more beneficial in the long term. So anyways, guys, we got a bunch of episodes coming up. I've recorded a whole bunch at this point. Um, so we got some cool ones coming up next week. We're talking with Bo miles. Um, if you don't know who Bo is, he has these amazing short film, uh, documentaries on YouTube, um, he's a ocean kayaker slash ultra runner slash adventurer slash backyard explorer, um, which we get into. And he did this really cool video called a mile or no, what was it called? It was called a mile an hour. And that like hit big in the running community. So check that out. Um, but I also have to like, recommend just for homework viewing for next week all of his stuff i've watched them all they're all so good he kayaked he uh, attempted to kayak around the southern tip of africa and it's this epic adventure and he does a really good job capturing it he's a great storyteller great writer um so go check out his stuff and uh come back next week all right guys see you